Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. I don't know what kind of a milestone this is, but we've hit 70. 70 you, you are know. close to 70, aren't you, Trey? I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it. I set myself up and I did it you on purpose. You did set okay. yourself up. Yeah, that was all too right. easy. That was too easy. But anyway, we are we are at uh, episode 70. Thank you so much for all your uh, uh, input, for your support, for listening, and, and continue to do that. Invite people to come, Facebook, Twitter, text, uh, get them to listen to the to the podcast. I've seen some people reposting on Facebook, yeah, which yeah, has been really cool. Yeah. So keep that up. Just keep the buzz going. Uh, we want to continue to help you reach uh, uh, the Bible as we determine how we uh, as people uh, connect our lives to the faith and the truth of the Bible. Well, we've been talking about worldview for these last uh, four or five weeks and uh, what it means and how it determines what we think and how we make decisions and all those things. And even what we believe is is huge. And so our worldview is going to impact just about every part of who we are. Um, and in these last, uh, I guess, uh, decade, maybe 10 years, gender has become a huge issue yes, in our world. Yes. And how are we to respond to someone who tells us that they can determine their own gender, um, you know, and, and then compare that to what the scripture tells us and all those things. And, you know, I guess we need to look today at how we can respond to this gender identity issue. Right. Trey, are you nervous? I'm hyper. You're hyper. You're not nervous though. No, I'm not. I'm not nervous. You should be. Uh, why is that now? Because I'm almost 70? Well, that should be pretty nerve-wracking. Okay. But you should be nervous because we are tackling a huge issue. Oh, yeah. Well, you're tackling it. I'm just no, gonna, Lo- I'm just Logan's listen. actually tackling okay, it. Smart Boy's back with us, our resident expert in everything regarding he's our, life. He's our theological linebacker. He is he's our doing theological the linebacker. He's going to help us to think through this issue. You, are you nervous, Logan? No, I'm good. Are you, <laughs> I don't think Logan has ever been nervous a day I in his life. I don't think so either. Yeah. But you think about it, Trey, this is a huge issue, and we want to think through it rightly. And so we're going to try to tackle this issue of gender today because it is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture and how we think about it, how we talk about it, the ramifications of it. It's a big deal, right? Yeah, it is. And and I, I bet you, I bet you that there are people listening to this podcast that, um, that know someone who's mm. struggling with this issue. Well, either there might be people who are listening who are struggling with this issue or yeah. know someone who is. And I would also say that there are people that don't think that they're struggling at all. You know, they yeah. just think that they've made the decision and right. this is how it's going right, to be right. type thing. So, and so you just think about as Christians, how do we think rightly about this issue, especially in a culture that is increasingly, increasingly divided over this issue and where our view as a Christian view is becoming the minority mm-hmm. view on this particular issue. Very it's much a big so. deal, right? Look, yeah. I mean, it's, it is becoming an we are becoming a people who are in the minority on this particular view. Absolutely, I mean, this is one of the biggest issues facing the church right now, yeah. facing the West in yeah. general. Um, so that there's a lot we, we really need to think well about this if we're going to be able to reach our our neighbors and community and friends with the gospel. You said something good last week, Logan, on the podcast that I think we need to restate as we dive into this issue is we are going to, as followers of Jesus, place our presuppositions on the table. Mm. When we talk about this issue, correct, we're not going to hide our worldview. We're not going to hide what we believe about scripture. 
we're placing our presuppositions on the table. We are followers of Jesus mm-hmm. who believe that the word of God is true and that the word of God speaks to this issue. Bottom line, yeah, we're well, putting I, that on the table. And I don't think we, I don't think it honors the Lord, nor do I think we should hide or hide right, somehow right. think that we're going to try to get in under the radar sort of thing. I think that's probably disingenuous, and I don't think we should be that way. Right. So if you somehow stumbled across this podcast by chance today, just know who we are. We are three Christian pastors who are conservative in our theology, who believe that Scripture is true, who believe that Scripture speaks very specifically to this issue. That's mm-hmm. who we are. Laying that on the table, we're going to dive in. You ready? Ready. You ready, Logan? I'm ready. All right, so we're going to look at, Trey, we're looking at six, six ways. ways that Christians should respond. Six ways that Christians should respond to gender issues. And the first is we affirm the truth of Scripture. All right, so to affirm the truth of Scripture, right, Logan, we, we've talked about this already. We've got to recognize that there are two compete at least in this issue at least two competing worldviews there's the a postmodern or or you know, secular worldview and then there's the christian worldview in this particular issue and so let's talk first about what our culture is saying about this particular issue yeah so just to define some terms when we talk about um gender issues we're we're talking about things along the lines of lgbtqia and there's some other letters that could be attached to this movement okay um and just the, I mean, those terms we think about lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, queer, intersex, asexual, um, and that list continues to expand. Mm-hmm. So th- th- these are the issues that we're talking about. And as, as Christians, we're, we're saying, hey, we're affirming the truth of Scripture. We're putting our presuppositions on the table. And we believe that the Bible holds that, that the human person is an integrated whole. Mm-hmm. We talked about mm-hmm. this a little yeah. bit last week. Very, very important. Right. The upper um, story, lower story. Let's review that for a second. Correct. So the postmodern worldview and a lot of our current Western thought and worldview is going to hold that the human person is split, mm-hmm. right? So we talk about this idea of personhood theory that on the if you think about a house, on the bottom level is the biological makeup of the material person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so that's all that is, just is biology, material, there's nothing else there. The top level, which we personhood theory is going to split, is that the top level is your your soul, who mm-hmm. you really are as a person. And personhood theory tries to split those two. Yeah. Okay, to say that your body is just accidental, essentially. Yeah. And that who you really are as a person is that top level, your soul, the autonomous self, however you want to define that. Um, that's who you really are. And right. that's that's who dictates what you really are. So your biology really doesn't matter. It's whatever your soul or your mind or, or however they're going to construct that. That's what determines who you are. So in secular worldview, we call that dualism, right? There's a Correct. separation between body and soul. And with this particular issue and other issues as well, in that personhood, you get to define who you are. Yep. So, and that's exactly right. And that's what this movement, the LGBTQIA movement is based off of is personhood theory. Mm-hmm. That, that is the view of the human person. It has to be that way for them yeah. because they've got to be able to say that, no, my, my body is just, again, it's accidental. Right. I'm, I'm stuck in this body. That's, that's that dualism you mentioned. This right. Greek thought just hashed out in a new, a new version. Um, but that so their body's accidental and their soul or their feelings or their mind is telling them something else. Okay. And so for for the transgender, for example, let's just go ahead and take that one. Um, the body, you might be a man. You might have a biological male body, mm-hmm. right? But in your mind or your soul, so we're, there's a dualism there that they would affirm that we're splitting, you might feel like a woman. Right. You might think in your mind, no, I'm a woman. I'm just trapped in a man's body. Mm-hmm. This worldview allows them to say that. Right. Right. 
Um, so as Christians, as we're affirming the truth of Scripture, we're going to say, no, 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 the Bible, like we mentioned last week, affirms that we're an integrated, integrated, yeah. integrated body and soul, mm-hmm. that who you really are is your body and soul yeah. in unity with one another. Think about the truth of Scripture, right? right. Made in the image of God, male and female. Correct. Um, okay. And... And then as we think about sexual relationships, marriage, all these things, as, again, we're putting our cards on the table, the Bible affirms that marriage is for one man and one woman. Right. Right. A heterosexual relationship, monogamous relationship, um, and that the sexual relationship is supposed to take place within that marriage. Yeah. Right. That's just what, I mean. So this particular issue, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this issue has morphed over the years, right? Because you think about, you know, Trey, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, it was about sexual attraction. And yeah, it's still in some yeah, ways about that, yeah. right? Uh, a male attracted to another male, I was homosexual, bo- gay. Or, I was born this way or even uh, I developed right, right. this so, way or whatever. But it was primarily based on sexual attraction. Yeah, yeah. But now it's, it's kind of more from just sexual attraction to an actual identity. And and, and there's a, we call it queer theory, right? So kind of talk to me about that. So the person here theory, queer theory, and it's all related somehow, correct? Yeah, so as we're thinking about these topics and issues. Um, queer theory says that the human being is comprised of parts that are not meant to be unified. They have nothing to do with, with one another. And so sex, gender, and desire are in no way related to one another. This is a very important statement that they're making here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're saying the idea would be that just because you're, again, just because you're born a certain way, that our nature, our human nature, is not constrained to our bodies or mm-hmm. our biology or mm-hmm. any of those things, that, that it's flexible, that it's fluid. So this idea of fluidity, yeah. that sexuality is really fluid, you're, and not just sexuality, but your identity as a person is very fluid. Yeah. And so those within the transgender community would say, no, you're able to shift and change. And so at some point in your life, you may really feel like a male. And then at another point in your life, you may really feel like a female. So I go back and forth. Right. You, I mean, that's, mm. so that idea, and it's not the, and again, we're not trying to belittle or, or demean or anything or make fun of. Um, this is just the stance that they're taking. If yeah. we have to, again, we talk about this from time to time, but taking something to its logical end, mm-hmm. the logical end of that would be to say that if gender's fluid, then at any point of any given day, you could be something else. Mm-hmm. You could be another thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, what becomes very difficult is we're, ta- we're trying to talk about in society and culture is is nailing down this idea of the human person. Yeah, the the idea of human nature is under attack, mm-hmm. and that's no small thing. As we see in our politics, we see just even at our church yeah. as we're trying to help people think through these issues. It's a really big deal. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and so then thinking about okay, this idea of fluidity and thinking about how that impacts our kids, and and so because it's fluid. You get to decide, and so you even have cases now where you have parents who are choosing not to call their son, son, or daughter, daughter, and let them whatever determine mm-hmm. that down the road. I mean, it just and that's taken it to its logical end of it's fluid. You get to decide, and that, again, is the nature of personhood theory. Well, the big thing has been recently to do these gender reveal parties. Now those are going out of vogue for the simple reason that who's who are you to say what their gender is? Right. So, you know, what— I actually thought was a silly little thing has now become almost a, a dividing line, mm. you know, for these are people that are traditional belief and these are people that are not. So, okay. So even those simple things. So we're talking about, you know, affirming the truth of scripture. You're talking about on the one hand, there's this theory of, of I get to choose my identity. Um, and then what scripture says is that 
God has determined in his sovereign providence and created you as mm-hmm. who he wants you to be. So, so what do we say, Logan, to whether it is someone who struggles with homosexuality or uh, transgenderism or whatever? And I think we hit on this a little bit last week, but let's talk through it again. What do we say to someone who does say, well, I was just born this way? Yeah, so as, as Christians, we, we want to uphold our Christian worldview. We talk about the doctrine of creation, mm-hmm. about how God intended the world to be. Right. right. What was his intention for his creating act according to scripture? And then we're going to very much hit on the nature of sin. We cannot over overstate the nature of sin. Right. So we mentioned earlier the conversation used to be you think about especially for those who identified as lesbian or gay, right? They have a sexual preference for someone of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Right? And the the marker used to be well I was born this way. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, as Christians, we're going to say, no, 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 you were born a sinner. Right. And I was born a sinner, right? Science and and biology and neurology, as we're studying the brain, shows that sexual preferences really are fluid Mm. and they can change. Um, And so to say that, well, I was just born this way, so I'm stuck in this mode. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. We, We believe as Christians that the saving grace of Jesus Christ can redeem us out of those things. Mm right so it's not just we're all born sinners and we're all born with sinful preferences and right. depending on the way that we're raised the way that we live our lives the things that we get into we may have tendencies towards certain kinds of sin mm-hmm. right but that doesn't make it right, right. And so we look at well, what did god intend what does mm-hmm. scripture say we we don't overestimate or or you know we don't underestimate how badly sins affected everything yeah. right our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with the world around us, and then our relationship with ourself. Yeah, yeah. All those relationships were harmed. Yeah. Especially that one. So you think about our relationship with ourself is not right. Mm-hmm. And so trying to help someone think through the biblical worldview about what, what God intended at creation, what went wrong at the fall, what Christ did for us in his life, death, and resurrection, mm-hmm. and then what we're ultimately going to be like in new creation. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move ahead. Um, let's talk about the second uh, way, and that is we affirm, and here's the word, the teleological nature of humanity. That's an interesting word, teleolo- teleological. I can hardly say it. Um, so define that a little bit before we talk about this one. Yeah, so this is maybe a term that some people are unfamiliar mm-hmm. with. It's not one that we use on a regular basis, philosophical term, but it's, it's very simply just means that things have a purpose or an end in mind. Mm-hmm. Right, that things seem to be created that they're purpose driven toward an end. Right. So when we look at humanity and we say that humanity has a teleological nature, we're saying that humans, all of us, were created or designed, right? There's mm-hmm. a presupposition there. If there's an end in mind mm-hmm. that something created it for that end. Right. Right. So humans are created or designed for X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. right? So in terms of relationship or sexual relationship, marriage, men and women seem to be designed for one another. Same too. Right? We look around at nature. Mm-hmm. Animals, male and female, seem to be designed for one another mm-hmm. for the purpose of procreation, life. Um, so within the the human relationship, right, men and women seem to be designed for one another, um, the human body seems to be designed to affirm what your biology is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're born as a, a biological male, 
it would seem that biological males are designed for a certain purpose, mm-hmm. right? Not just within sexual relationships, just within culture and society at large, right? It would seem that a biological female is created or designed for a particular purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And the as scriptures, again, we're firm in the truth of scripture. The scripture shows us how this plays out, yeah, yeah. right? And so we, we want to say that, again, and this is where we start getting in these conversations. We are not trying to attack people to say, Oh, well, I was born this way. Again, we're born sinners, right, all of us. Right. Um, and sin affects all these things. And so, for example, because I think a lot of Christians, I think this is where we get these conversations wrong, to say, well, no, you weren't born that way, or you're just thinking wrongly about it, or you've mm, got to get mm, over those right, desires right, or right, those right. feelings. The mind is malleable. Mm-hmm. Your brain is malleable, and your desires can change. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, and maybe down the road we can talk about this this issue of pornography. I'm studying this for some research for a PhD. I'm working on um, people that are addicted to pornography. They don't get into child pornography right off the bat, mm-hmm. right? Most of them start watching pornography, ma- male and female, right? And they get down that road because the brain is malleable. Mm. Your sexual desires are malleable, right? So you can literally reshape, rewire your brain to do something that it was not intended or made to do, mm-hmm. right? right? Right. And your brain affects your biological body. Wow, okay. So when we talk about these ideas, well, I was born this way or, or how can someone possibly feel this way? It's possible. Mm-hmm. Biologically science has proven it's possible, but that has no bearing on our, our doctrine of sin. Right. Right. It doesn't change what we believe to be true about sin. Mm-hmm. And so sin affects all of these different things yeah. that we're talking about here. Um, and so as, as Christians, we want to come in and say, Hey, we're affirming the truth of scripture. God's created you for a purpose. Mm. Right. I think so many people within homosexual relationships or that are struggling with transgenderism or whatever it may be, they need to see that they were created for a purpose. Right. A lot of people grow up in broken homes. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, well, they don't see the purpose that's lived out. I think a lot of people need to see Christian men and women in marriage relationships living out the gospel as a better way. Mm-hmm. Right. That we're offering. We're not saying that, oh, well, you're just messed up or you're broke. We're all broken. We have to affirm that. Right. But that God can redeem that. Mm, yeah. There's so many mm. examples of homosexuals or, or whoever it may be that have come out of that past, right? And they're living normal heterosexual relationships now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah, absolutely. sexuality is malleable, right? But the gospel can change those things. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All From right. From the scripture, no, there's purpose. What else we got, Pat? Pops. Yeah. Third thing is realize the effects of sin. It leads right into this. Which we've already talked a little bit about, but just kind yeah. of help us think through it a little bit more. Yeah. as And again, we, we cannot underestimate the effects of sin in our world. Mm. So it's not when, when we talk to someone that's struggling with homosexuality or transgender ideology or whatever it may be, that this is normal. Yeah. Okay. It's normal for people to struggle with sin. Yeah. Mm. And that this is not somehow new to our culture or mm, society. Right. right. We mentioned that that book by Nancy Piercy last week, Love Thy yeah. Body. In that, she does a really great job of looking at the New Testament, mm-hmm. right, and the culture that was surrounding the New Testament world, coming out of Greek culture, Roman culture. This stuff's been around for a really oh, long time. It was rampant then. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Homosexuality is not a new thing mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, you can just go study and look at the Roman world. Homosexuality was rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
child sexuality was rant. I mean, it was just, there's all kind of crazy stuff going on in the Roman world. This is not new, right? right? The effects of sin are not new. They just play themselves out in different yeah. ways. Yeah. And so we can't underestimate that. And I think that really helps us have a lot of love and compassion for people. Right. Right. To say, hey, I was a sinner too. I was struggling in all these various ways. I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. We're not against you. We just think that there's this worldview that's better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That there's a better way. It gives you more hope. It gives you real purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. So realizing the effects of sin. I mean, and it affects all of us in, yeah. w- in different ways. Right. And yeah. We all struggle with sin. That's the bottom that's, line. That's the bottom line. We just got to, oh, the goal is to eventually win the struggle though. You know, you get right. to the point where we're winning more than we're losing. Uh, okay. Well, number four, let's uh, move on. I think this is very important. Love those who are lost around us. Which you made a good point, Logan. Mm-hmm. If we understand the effects of sin and understand that we ourselves are sinners mm-hmm. being redeemed by the grace of God, then it helps us to show love and compassion to people who are struggling with this particular issue. Yeah. So when we talk about loving those around us, especially right now, when we think how politically charged everything is, mm-hmm. right? People are fired up about this political ideology or this political ideology and all the issues that surround it. These are very personal issues for people. Very. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's easy to politicize the LGBTQIA community and the movement that, that and the things that they're trying to achieve. Um, politics aside, right. Let's just set the politics aside for a second. We're Christians mm-hmm. living in a world in, in a world that's not ours. Mm-hmm. This is not our home, right? We're in the kingdom of God. And we are called as Christians to no matter who Caesar is, right? Mm-hmm. Whether Caesar's for us or for us or against us, is to live out as the body of Christ in a broken and lost world, and to love our neighbors around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, part of doing that is people that are struggling with these issues. We cannot reject them. We can't just not talk to them. We can't just we can't not be in relationship with them, right? We have to, as Christians, love them with the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So if you're listening to this and you know someone who identifies as homosexual or transgender or whatever it may be, you have to love them like Christ would love them, mm-hmm. right? Now, that doesn't mean that we affirm their worldview, that we affirm their ideology, right? I think it's so easy, especially from the LGBTQIA community, to say, well, man, Christians just hate us. Yeah. It's not just because I disagree with your worldview does not mean I hate you. Right. There's all kind of people that I'm friends with that I'm in relationship with, right? Whether it's neighbors or friends, guys that I play basketball with, I don't agree with their worldview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But we still hang out. We still play basketball. We still laugh. We still talk. We still talk about culture and things that are going on. And, mm-hmm. and we talk about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. And they might, they may not agree with me on that, but we can, I still love them. Mm. Right? And I want them to know Jesus Christ. I want them to know there's a better way yeah. to live their lives. And so we have to do this same thing with, with those who are struggling with these issues. I mean, we've got to be in relationship with these Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do have a question about affirming versus love. Um, we love, you know, we love. I have no issues loving anyone. Um, but because of the broken world we live in, people assume that love, loving them means I affirm their choices. In other words, okay, I love an alcoholic, so I must affirm that he he drinks and gets drunk all the time, you know. Or in this particular situation, homosexuality, where you love uh, someone who has chosen to be homosexual, and yet, you know, we are not affirming their lifestyle. So 
is laying on the table the the best way to help them understand that difference or is are we demonstrating love and then later on saying hey you know uh this is what i believe the bible says and wait on them to say it and then i I feel like there's more confusion if we're not like you said being open so kind of address that a little bit yeah i again lay your cards on the table Mm -hmm. it is okay to put your presuppositions out there and to say hey, I'm a Christian, this is what I view, this is my view on human sexuality according to the truths of Scripture, right? And then be in relationship with that person yeah. and mm-hmm. love them. Yeah, Our, our culture right. needs that right now. You just think about the love of God. We think about the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, The gospel message is that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Mm-hmm. God showed his, shows his love to us by revealing to us who we really are, by yeah. exposing our sin. And, and, and then showing us the, the answer to that sin, Jesus and his death and resurrection. So, so part of love, I mean, and this is case in parenting or whatever the case may be in any relationship, mm-hmm. part of love is, is correction, mm-hmm. exposing here, here's what's wrong and here's the better path. Mm-hmm. That, that's love. So love isn't always affirming. Love is often correction, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I just, I just feel like because of the broken nature and the, and the malleableness of a mind, that people have come to the point where they think that if we love someone, we have yeah. to affirm them, and to not affirm them is to not love yeah. them. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of confusion on that, and I can't really get into the details because it would harm the person I'm talking about. But that is the case, and somebody I know very dearly is going through this, where mm-hmm. they constantly they love them, but the affirmation is an issue. You know, yeah. they're thinking, yeah. and that's so. I mean, and like you mentioned, Tommy, Jesus does not affirm our sin. No. Right, but he loved us to the point of death on the yeah, cross. That's exactly right. And he calls us yeah. then to a life of holiness. So this is where we're talking about this whole idea of gospel worldview. It has to be all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's where I mean, obviously, Christ is our chief example of this. Yeah, you just go back and read the gospels and see how Jesus confronted sinners. He doesn't affirm John, sin. John four. John four. The yeah. story of woman at the well, or yeah. the story of the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't affirm the sin. But he meets them where they are. He, and John 4, he points it out. Yeah, he does. You've been married or married five times, and the guy you're living with is not your husband. I mean, he, he points out the sin. Yes. But she leaves that conversation, what? Knowing that she's loved by the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about who I just met. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's a great illustration. Yeah, good, great good. biblical illustration. Absolutely. Number five, we need to also be the body of Christ. Yeah, so as we're being the body of Christ, I— I think this is more of the inward view, right? Mm-hmm. As we're looking at, well, what about those that are in our congregation that that we might not know? I mean, we may have no clue that maybe in their past or currently they may be struggling with one of these things, mm-hmm. right? We have to, again, love those, not just in the world, the outside. We need to do that really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got to love those that are, that are on the inside yeah. with us yeah. as well. Um, and so... And this is with with all kind of sexual issues, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's something in terms of of queer theory or something that's going on here, or something like the issue of pornography or whatever it may be, or adultery, or again, there's this this is a this is a scope. This idea of of human sexuality, um, and we've got to love those people really well. Yeah. And again, we get back to we're not affirming. Yeah. Right. This is our stance as a church. This is our stance as the body of Christ. This is our stance based on scripture that you can't live this way. God did not, again, design you. Your nature is not designed to live in this sin. Mm -hmm. We're calling Mm -hmm. you out of that. But we've got to help people 
show them a way for that. Being part of the body, being the body of Christ with an issue like this is just constantly holding up that standard of truth. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. This is what it looks like to live out truth. And I don't think we have an issue saying that we're calling everyone out of a life of sin. Absolutely. Whatever sin that is. That's what the We're not does. somehow affirming adultery and saying homosexuality is sin. Do you no, understand? Right, right. Because it's People think we pick on this issue, but we are calling everyone right, out of sin. Right, even so, ourselves. Right, we're yeah. saying to ourselves, there's still sin we're within there. us that we're dealing we're with broken, as well. We're broken, need a Savior Absolutely. and Redeemer. All right, number six, and we'll close with this one. Don't be discouraged. Yeah, this is, this is huge because, again, we look around in our world, we look around in our society, we look around in our culture. I think it's very easy to become discouraged at times about mm-hmm. the things that are going on in our world. Our hope is not in this world, though. That's right. Our hope is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Our hope is that we will be with him in new creation for eternity where there's no sin, no shame, no death, no disease, right? And our minds are healed, our bodies are healed, and we will always think rightly about who yeah. God is yeah. and what he's done. Yeah. We have to hold on to that hope. Yeah, absolutely. Because it could be the case, right, that in the next 50 years, things get a lot worse. Right, that, that Christians become more and more of the minority. That that right in our Western world, hey, we've been very fortunate as Americans that we do not get persecuted. Hear that again. If you're listening to this, we're very fortunate Amen. that we do not get persecuted. You're right. Right. Just because someone disagrees with you at work or disagrees with you on Facebook is not persecution. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And we think it is. There are brothers and sisters around the world who are dying every single day. Yeah. Because they are carrying the cross of Christ. Mm. That's right. Right. And that may come for us. Mm-hmm. And we cannot get discouraged about that because our hope is in the gospel. So if you're having conversations or if you know someone, especially coworkers, neighbors, family, friends who are struggling with these issues, do not become discouraged. Mm-hmm. Lean on Christ. Mm-hmm. Trust Christ. They are not ours to save. That's right. They are God's to say. Right. Amen. Right. Right. It is right. our responsibility to be found faithful, to share the gospel, to love them, to care for them, to call them to repentance, to holiness. Right. But it's God's work to do that in their heart. Mm. Okay. First step. Somebody at, at my work is, is, is homosexual, transgender. And so what is the first step to try to develop that sort of relationship to bring the gospel to them? What, what do we do? Where, where do we go from here? I w- I would say just get to know someone. Yeah, you develop, develop the just, relationship. Mm-hmm. Develop I mean, the relationship, and as you develop the relationship, that opens the door for gospel conversations, just like you would approach anybody else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think it's I think people, again, because our, our climate is so politically charged, I think people really are scared to get into these relationships, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Well, what if what if they hate me for my faith, or what if they you know, try to say that I'm a bigot or small-minded or whatever? I can almost, and I can't guarantee this, but I would say that nine times out of ten, if if you are someone's friend, if you care for them, you love them just like you would anybody else, they'll be just fine with you. Absolutely. Right Absolutely. now, and it might come to a head at a certain point where you're you're following Christ, you're affirming the truth of scriptures, and that costs you a friendship. Yeah. That the following Christ is more important in that situation. Absolutely. Right. But don't let don't let the friendship be cost because you weren't thinking through the issue well because you really might have been small-minded, right? You weren't loving them well. Don't let that be the thing, Amen. right? Let Christ be the ultimate thing that might cost you a friendship or a relationship. But, man, we've got to love these people. Um, we've got to love everyone, Amen. right? Just, Amen. just as we would love anyone else. This is not a, a distinct group, right? We, we love all sinners mm. because we want them to come to Christ. Mm. You know? 
Amen. Well, Pastor Tommy, this has been a great, uh, great look into how we respond. Why don't you close us out? Yeah, yeah, this is a huge issue and an issue that we need to think through well. So thank you, Logan, for helping us think through this issue well. And we hope that this has been an encouragement to you and a help to you. And so if this has been an encouragement and help to you today, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. You can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That's always real helpful. And we hope that always, as always, that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.